Thanks for tuning in to the V1 Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message from Pastor Kiel Hauser as we wrap up our series, Question and Response. Today's message is about how to turn your questions into worship. Enjoy the message. Good morning, 1010. Who's ready? Can we just give it a, um, a round of applause for Jesse for being awesome, running the show? And for Pastor Julie, who's killing it in the animal print today. <laughs> so I don't usually name my sermons, <clears throat> but um, I'm very inspired by Pastor Evan. He's so like, you know, Generation Z and like cool. So I named my sermon this time. It's called, I Just Came for the Free Food. Um, last week was amazing. We talked about the spiritual realm and, you know, uh, questions and responses. You know, the reason we didn't call it questions and answers is because sometimes the response isn't an answer to the question, right? Ooh, you guys are not ready today. I'm savage. <laughs> so we're going to read, we're going to be reading out, we're going to be talking about John 6 today. I'm reading it in the Passion Translation. So if you have um, a Bible app, you can uh, use that translation. Uh, so let me give you a little context. So <clears throat> at this point, Jesus has taken, so there's a crowd of people. They're all hungry. He's teaching, and, and they're all hungry. And so this, this kid says, here's my sack lunch. And Jesus says, perfect, that'll be enough. It was like, you know, a few fish and some, some bread. And Jesus has multiplied it. So he starts dividing it. And it multiplies until it feeds 5,000 plus women and children. So that's estimated to be at least 15,000 people. Right? So, you know, three fish fed 15,000 people. And then Jesus had to send people around with baskets at the end to collect all the extra food. Because he's a God of abundance, right? Like he was able to multiply and still have extra. But he's not a wasteful God. He didn't just let it go to waste. So um, then at this point, the disciples get rescued from a storm. Jesus, like, walks to them on water, um, all this stuff. And uh, on the other side of the water, there's a crowd forming. And so Jesus like, okay, we, we multiplied the food. We walked on the water. Let's talk. So he starts talking to the disciples, and he says, um, my blood is true drink. He's like, we ate before, but let me tell you what's real food. My blood is true drink, and my, my body, my flesh is true food. And whoever feeds on my body and my blood is in me, and I in him. Uh, what? <laughs> what, Jesus? Sorry, is it, what? <laughs> you want me to drink your blood? And eat your flesh? Oh, I don't know about you guys, but that would be my cue. I'd be like, I'm a go. I'm going to head out. <laughs> so the people were hanging on Jesus' every word when he was doing miracles because they came for the miracle, but they left for the teaching. Right? Once Jesus started talking about actually consuming him, actually becoming like him, letting him get inside of you and becoming like him, living like him. They were like, yeah, we're going to go. Because it was too much. 
Because once it required a response, they were like, oh, I just like the stuff you were doing. So let's read starting at verse 60. It's a, it's a slightly long portion of scripture, so stay with me. So it says, when many of Jesus' followers heard of these things, they caused a stir. That's disgusting, they said. How could anybody accept it? Without anyone telling him, Jesus knew they were outraged. And he told them, are you offended over my teaching? What will you do when you see the Son of Man ascending into the realm from where he came? The Holy Spirit is the one who gives life. That which is of the realm, is of the natural realm, is of no help. So basically he's saying life really comes from God, not from what we see in the natural. The words I speak to you are spirit and life, but there, is still, there are still some of you who won't believe. In fact, Jesus already knew from the beginning who the skeptics were and who his traitor would be. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one embraces me unless the Father has given you to me. And so from that time on, many of the disciples turned their backs on Jesus and refused to be associated with him. So Jesus turned to the 12 and he said, and you, do you want to leave too? Peter spoke up and said, but Lord, where would we go? No one but you gives the revelation of eternal life. We're fully convinced that you are the anointed one, the son of the living God, and we believe in you. In the Passion Translation, that first part of scripture says, that's disgusting. How can anybody accept it? In the ESV, it says, this is a hard teaching. Who can listen to it? What happens when the sermon that Jesus is preaching through your life isn't the one you want to hear? What happens if it's not comfortable? Oh, guys, I'm going to preach today. You just wait. You just wait. You know, have you ever been in a situation where... Um, you're like, where the heck is God? What is happening? Like, why isn't anything working out? Why is my life so hard? Like, when you feel like you've done everything you can possibly do and nothing is working out the way you want it to and all you're left with is questions. Someone say question and response. Good, y'all are listening. So... <clears throat> One of the reasons why um, pastors tell a lot of personal stories is because the testimony is a spirit of prophecy. So if I have gotten victory in this area, then when I tell you about it, it actually prophesies to your future, right? So I moved to California some years back. I, I had this really great apartment in Astoria that I loved so much. I could see um, the Empire State Building from my, my room. And I had this cool rooftop and I could see all the fireworks like 4th of July and all the different nights that they do fireworks. I could see them from my roof. I had a great little neighborhood. I liked my supermarket. You know how it is when you get used to your life, right? But I felt there was a call. God said God was calling me somewhere else. He, he was calling me to move on and grow and deal with some of the stuff that was going on in my heart and that I couldn't resolve on my own. So I sold everything I had, 
And I packed the rest of it in a little trailer and I drove across the country and I moved to California. So I get there and as soon as I get there, I arrive at my house that I'm gonna be living in and I walk into the middle of my bedroom and I fall to the ground and I start to sob. And I'm like, this is really gonna suck, I can already feel it. And I was right, boy was I right. Literally all hell broke loose in my life. Every single thing that I had rested my identity on, that I had let define me was gone. God was removing it one by one, but not like slowly, like within, within a few weeks. <laughs> he was like, we'll take that. Oh, oh, wait, 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 don't move too fast. We'll take that too. I was no longer the strong one. I was no longer the one with all the answers. I couldn't control my health. I couldn't control my finances. I couldn't control my weight. I couldn't really control my emotions. And all the things that had previously defined me were no longer in my power, right? I, I had a really good credit score. I controlled that. And I was like, I'm awesome. Check me out. I got an 800 credit score. That's great. But I had no control. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't even work. My emotional, my spiritual, and my physical worlds were all crashing down around me. And all I could do was stand there and watch in complete powerlessness. And it was honestly the most painful and exposing season of my life. And every single day I would pray this prayer that I still pray to this day because it has become so impactful for me. I would say, God, I need to feel your breath on my face because I need to know that you're that close or I'm not going to make it. My, my, I had a great group of friends in school, and my friends behind my back used to say, man, either God hates her <laughs> or there must be a call on her life because I've never seen anybody go through process like this, through trials this way. It felt like my insides were being crushed every day, and I could not, like, get a hold of them. And so after four months of like living a helpless life, of not having any of the answers, of not knowing why I'm in these, this season, we came to the end of the semester and it was the last day before Christmas break. So let me give you a little idea of what school looked like for us. So um, it was in, it was seating kind of like this, but it was in a, um, it was called the Civic Center. So there were 2,000 seats and there were 1,100 students the year that I was in first year. So if you wanted to get a good seat, you had to get there early. So a bunch of my friends got there early, and we decided today we're going to sit right in the front. We got seats right smack in the center, right in the front. And um, because it was the day that school was, like it was the last day before Christmas break, instead of having a traditional schedule, we just had worship. So <clears throat> here I am, completely undone, completely um, without any resolve in my life. And worship started, and I stood up on my chair, and I lifted my hands, 
and I worshiped until I had no voice left. And I had a, a friend, her name's Emma. She's from Australia. I love her. She sat two seats away from me and she looks up at me and she goes, I don't understand how Kiel could be worshiping right now. I don't understand how she could be standing on her chair and lifting her hands and shouting out praises to the Lord and telling him he's worthy and telling him he's holy and telling him he, he is the, the author and the finisher and that I trust him while my whole life is falling apart. Well, all I have are questions with no responses. See, I was like Peter. I came to a point where I said, like, I'm not really sure if this, the dreams in my life will ever come to pass. I'm not really sure what God is doing. I don't know why everything hurts. I don't know why everything's falling apart. I, but I don't know why Jesus wants me to drink, my, drink his blood. But what I do know is that he's worthy. What I do know is that Jesus is good and his promises never fail, right? I couldn't see how the road that I was on, that was honestly the worst road ever, I couldn't see how that was going to get me to where I wanted to go, but I did know that my king is a faithful father, right? That my God never, never goes back on his promises. Where else would I go? Where else was I going to go? In that moment where I had no power to change anything in my life, where else was I going to go but to stand on my chair and lift my hands? Peter knew something that, honestly, some of you need to learn this morning. You're all out searching for the answers to your questions, and Jesus is right here waiting for you to just lift your eyes. Peter could have said, what the beep, beep, beep are you talking about, Jesus? I'm not drinking your blood. But instead, he kept his gaze locked on the eyes of Jesus. He said, I don't really know. I don't know why Jesus wants me to drink his blood. Uh, but I do know that no one will ever be able to set me free the way he has. So he skipped the questions and he said, none of it matters. All I have, all I need is you. Nothing else but you. See, a lot of us are looking around for the answers to our questions, but Jesus is the answer. He is the answer to all the questions you'll ever have. We don't, ah, oh man, I'm going to get so mean today, guys. You don't need the answers. And if we're really honest, you don't actually have the right to the answers sometimes. <laughs> I will. See, in that season of my life where I was in the fire, I was in it to win it, guys. It was bad. I had all these problems that I needed to get solved, and everyone kept telling me, just focus on Jesus. And I was like, what are you talking about? What the crap? What do you mean fix my eyes on Jesus? Who's going to pay my bills? 
<laughs> See, I didn't understand how keeping my eyes on Jesus was going to help with the immediate problems that I had. But what I learned was that Jesus was so much more concerned about the state of my heart and the issues that were going on inside, then he was concerned about my immediate circumstances. Because my immediate circumstances were temporary, but the state of my heart was destroying me. It was ruining me. So he's like, maybe you're late on a few bills, but we're gonna get that thing out of you if I have to take everything. Man, Jesus is really good, guys. The questions in your heart, sometimes we think they reveal the character of God. They actually reveal the character in you. Right? They reveal who you are. When, when, when these questions are rolling around in our heads, we think we're putting God on trial. We're like, God, why didn't you this? And why don't you this? And why does this happen? And why does that happen? And we think that we're putting God on trial, but what's actually on trial is the state of our hearts. Like they highlight the revelation of God that you still don't have, that you still haven't received, the things that you still don't understand and the, the experience of God that you're still missing. See, when I, when I was told a couple years ago that I had a brain bleed and needed brain surgery, even though the Lord had promised me healing nine years ago, I had a choice. I could either put God on trial and challenge the promise, or I could actually believe it, right? I could, I could look at God and say, but you said... And why isn't it happening the way I want it to? Or I could decide to lift my hands again. And so that day I came to church and Pastor Mike at the end of the dream team huddle said, hey, Kiel, do you want to pray? And I was like, ooh, you just did it. You, he didn't even know what was coming. And I, and I was in such an emotional state because I was scared. Like, I did not want somebody to crack my skull open. And I just lifted my hands and I said, God, I give up my right to understand. I give up my right to understand why you do the things you do and why you allow the things you allow because you are good. You're always good. You always have a plan. You always have a way out. If I'm not dead, then I'm not done. So this might not be the end of the story. And so I choose to believe right in the middle of what I don't understand, in the middle of the questions, even when I can't see the fulfillment of the promise, that the promise is coming. The promise is on its way. Right? I can't, if, if I can't see the fulfillment, I must be standing right in the middle of it. Right? Sometimes when we're in the middle of something, we can't see that this is good for our lives. And we freak out. Meanwhile, God, I can't tell you how many times I've looked back at God over the last couple of years and said, God, I was such a spoiled brat. How did you not, like, smite me? <laughs> See, but, but by the time this brain bleed thing happened, it had become clear to me that the why question, it doesn't get answered on this side of heaven. 
I had a choice. Will I question or will I choose to believe what I claim to believe and I sing every Sunday or am I just going to live out Christian karaoke? Do I believe that, that he satisfies that there's nothing else? Do I believe that he loves me? Do I believe that all of his promises are yes and amen? I will quote all the songs. Don't you make me. <laughs> you want to know why some of you are stagnant in your relationship with God? It's because somewhere along the way you let the why question paralyze you. You never surrendered. So you haven't yet realized the thing that Job realized when Job was like, oh, God, why are you doing all these things? And God's like, oh, did, uh, did you make the heavens and the earth? Are you God? <laughs> you don't have the right to understand, to have the need to understand. And some of you really have a hard time with that. You're not God. Right? So our need to know is an indication that we don't trust that God is as good as he says he is. Surrender lies in the mystery. Like the questions that pastors get asked a lot is like, well, how do I surrender? I don't know what that means. Surrender is accepting the mystery. It's accepting the, the gap between what I understand and what I'll never understand and living in that place. And understanding that God is bigger than I am and his ways are higher than my ways. And so you give up your right to be able to figure it out for yourself. I mean, I had no idea why everything that I had and everything that I built my, my whole world on was stripped away from me. I, I don't know why sometimes when it seems that we're moving more toward the, the Lord, our whole lives fall apart that they just get worse and worse. I had no idea why I would get such a scary diagnosis when I had a promise of healing. Why are things getting worse? I had no idea why I felt like in certain seasons that God was ripping out my insides. I don't know how else to say it. It just felt like he was crushing my insides. All I had was questions. And every time I had a choice. Do I take the stance of Peter and keep my eyes locked and declare God's faithfulness? Or do I let my questions turn me away from God? So now I'm here on the other side of it, right? I mean, obviously, because I'm standing here, I didn't die. Yeah, let's give God a shout of praise for that. So if you're in a season where you feel like I might die, this is too hard, let me just be a witness to you that you will not die. Yeah. What I didn't know in the season where I only had questions and no answers was that I would be standing here in front of you today as your pastor, sharing a testimony that is going to set you free. What I didn't know is that I was going to get the opportunity to preach over Skype to hundreds of people in a remote village of Pakistan and see them all receive the Lord. What I didn't know was that I was going to get to travel to Ukraine and preach to people that most of you don't even know exist and see them healed and delivered and set free. 
I didn't know that I was going to have a family, of church, a church family that was going to love me in the midst of all my emotions because I'm so emotional. <laughs> I had no idea how the dreams of my life would ever come to pass. But here I am standing in the middle of the fulfillment. Every single dream of my heart is happening right now. You know, sometimes we wanna be all powerful in our lives. We wanna be the author and the finisher and the perfecter of our faith. We wanna know, we wanna control, we wanna know where, how, who, and why. We wanna control the outcome, we wanna control the miracles. We've become like the followers of Jesus that were like, yeah, I'm gonna head out. They just came for the free meal. Sometimes we're just coming for the free meal. We just wanna come in and get filled up and feel good. And we're not willing to walk with the questions. They only wanted the miracles because they wanted Jesus to be a genie and not a father who requires a response. Jesus gave everything for us and he requires a response. The response is our lives. The response is the willingness to say, I give up my right to understand. I will love you in the mystery. I will worship you in the mystery. And what I can tell you with absolute certainty is that you in your own power will never be able to redeem your life the way that God can. You will never be able to open doors in your own life that God in his infinite wisdom has already made a plan to open for you. Guys, when you, when you get a dream in your heart, it comes with the provision to fulfill that dream. Like God doesn't give us dreams that he has no way of fulfilling. He's not, he's not a, a father that puts a hope in our heart and never fulfills it. Once we pray a prayer, I don't know if you know this, because probably you have a lot of, a lot of us have unanswered prayers. But once we pray a prayer, he's already in the process of working it out. And it may take longer than you think it's going to. I mean, it, it probably will take longer than you think it's going to. But if you've prayed a righteous prayer, the answer is already on its way. Do you know him? Do you know his nature? Do you understand his kindness? Let's peek back at Peter for a second. So a few chapters later, Peter denies Jesus to save his own life and his own reputation. And then in the next book of the Bible, Peter, who got out of the boat, walked on water, Peter, the same guy who said, where else would we go? There's nobody else for us. He became one of the most prominent leaders of the early church. Peter didn't know that he was gonna become the most influential man in developing the early church. He didn't know what God had in store for him. And in that moment that Jesus said, eat my flesh and drink my blood, what if Peter let his questions win? What if he let his questions stop him? Would we have ever heard of him? Would he have helped in changing the course of history? 
What if in the moment that I was faced with all of my biggest questions, I didn't stand up on the chair and lift up my hands and tell God that he's worthy in the middle of my questions? Would I be standing here right now? When none of my dreams were coming to pass and nothing makes sense, when everything was getting worse instead of better, even though I sold everything I owned and I felt like God owed me something, if I had let that take me away from God instead of to God, would I be living the dreams that are on my life that I've had since I was a kid? God is always, always this good. He was always this good. I just wasn't this aware of it. Can I say that again? God was always this good. He always had this in mind. I wasn't aware of it and I thought he was trying to hurt me because I didn't know he was a good father, because I didn't know he was consistent and faithful and safe and pure and loving and beautiful. I didn't know that I was missing that. He was always planning to reveal his nature to me. I had to just get out of my own way and surrender my questions to the goodness of the nature of God. I had to believe that he is as good as he says he is. Do you believe it today? Do you believe that the Lord is good as he says he is? And you know what, because I've learned to live in the midst of the questions, I can have vision for the future. I can have big vision for the future because I don't have to be the one that provides the solutions to get there. Because I can have vision for the future, I see V1 worship standing on the stage at Nassau Coliseum, singing praises to the Lord. I see myself getting up with a Bible and preaching the gospel and seeing thousands of people get saved and delivered and set free. I see myself standing on stages all around the world where the voices of women have been silenced. And I see myself setting their voices free for the first time. And I don't need to know how and I don't need to know why. All I need to know is that my God is faithful. I see myself sitting in rooms with world leaders and influential people and celebrities and setting them free and seeing them get breakthrough so that they can influence the world in a way that I can't. I know that my God is faithful. Do you know he's faithful? Maybe we need to change our questions to why did you do this to God, will you teach me that you're faithful? I gave up any hope in, that, in those moments where I stood up on the chair and I worshiped, I gave up any hope that I would ever be what God was calling me to be, that I would ever see my dreams fulfilled. I chose to lift my hands and worship in the mess because I made a choice that if none of it happens, Jesus is enough. Could you stand with me? When you're willing to let your questions drive you to the face of God and not from it, you will experience the kind of peace and confidence that will that we all strive for through meditation and retreats and all the new agey things and affirmations and all the things that you think give you peace inside, this false sense of peace. When you let the 
presence of God fill those places and let your questions go. See, God, God wants to let the questions be answered through the stories of your life that he chooses to write through you, right? Like he never gave me answers to those questions. He just said, why don't you watch and see? Watch and see what I'll do with your life when you surrender. Watch and see. That's why we call it questions and responses. His response was not, here's all the reasons why. His response was, watch and see. See, you're over here holding on to your questions and demanding that God answers him. And he's over there saying, I would love to answer a different question if you just let that one go. I want to answer better questions and bigger questions. And you're so concerned about what you think your life should turn out at that you haven't been able to let it go and your hands are too full to receive what he has for you. He wants your life to become a beautiful love story that points you back to his glory and his majesty, that points the world to his kindness. He wants to give you so much greater than what you're expecting. I assure you that no matter what question you have, the posture of your life is always worship. You wanna be the solution? Worship. You wanna find the solution? Worship. You wanna break addictions? Worship. You want your relationships to get better? Worship. You want your business to get successful? Worship. The answer is always worship. Thanks again for tuning in to the V1 Church Podcast. Do us a favor, give this podcast a five-star rating, leave a comment, and share it with a friend. We'll see you next time.